Robert Nash is an assistant district attorney for Clarksville, Montgomery County. He joins Charlie Kuhn and Katie Gamble to share what a day in the life looks like for an assistant district attorney. He also shares the case that challenged some of his perceptions about crime and the changes he has seen in crime in Montgomery County over his career. All in this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. Hi, this is Katie Gamble and with Clarksville's Conversation, and I'm here with my buddy Charlie Kuhn for another social distancing episode of Clarksville's Conversation. And Charlie, you want to introduce our guest today? I, I sure do. I've, I've known this gentleman for, uh, well, 25 years, maybe longer. Um, Mr. Robert Nash, he's a assistant district attorney here in Clarksville, Montgomery County. How you doing, Robert? I'm doing well. How are you, Charlie? Well, I'm all right. I'm all right. Katie, how are you? I'm doing good. We're getting through this. We are. It's strange times. It certainly is. It, you know, it's been strange times, but I think I've learned a lot of good things through this as well. I think I think a lot of people, I've, I've learned to just slow down and enjoy for a moment. Yeah, it takes some getting used to. Uh, mm-hmm. Going to certain places, can't do certain things. Uh, it does make you uh, appreciate uh, what we have in life. It does. That's true. I guarantee it. Well, you know, we, we want to get into what your job is and, and uh, what you do on a daily basis, but I want to learn more about you and how you even got to Clarksville because you were not born here. I was not. I was born in the uh, Women's Hospital in Washington, D.C., in 1966. Uh, that's where my mother and father lived and born and raised there. Um, we stayed there in the surrounding areas of the district and uh, we moved to Maryland in a couple places there until I think I was about 14 years old. Uh, we packed up two U-Hauls and we came to Clarksville, Tennessee. So did, did you have any ties here? What, what brings yeah, you? Why'd you pick Clarksville? Why Clarksville? Well, I, I was 14. I didn't pick. Did your uh, mom and dad uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, they said hop on. Uh, mm-hmm. But my older brother was uh, in the Army. Okay. And uh, he was stationed here at Fort Campbell. And uh, if you know anything about Washington, D.C. and some of that area, um, it's a little bit more faster pace. My parents were getting older and retired. Um, and I think he talked to them or convinced them to come on down here. It's slower and a nicer life. So here we are. Here you well, are. It, it, I think it's cool because Fort Campbell is such a tie to almost everybody in this community one way or another. So, sure. so you move here. You go to high school here, uh, Northwest. I'm- Northeast. Northeast. Oh, yeah. Northeast. You, yeah Eagle. Yeah. Northeast Eagles. Northeast Eagles. And then you went to Austin P, and that's where we met. That's where I met you, Charlie. Y'all go to college together? We did. Yeah, we did. Oh, I bet you could tell us some stories, Robert. I can. Yeah. No, I bet you could. <laughs> oh, wait a second. No. Uh, now, me and Charlie, we were in rival fraternities at first. Mm-hmm. That's right. If you probably asked Charlie and he told you the truth, uh, he probably didn't think a whole lot of me at first. But Charlie and I developed a really uh, genuine and good friendship over the years. And it started back then in, I think, the middle to late 80s. Uh, yeah. 
yeah. when we went to college together. So it, it was a lot of fun, Katie. We had um, we were you know rival fraternities, but you know we always um, were very competitive, and we'd argue and maybe fight and push a little bit and hit each other when we weren't supposed to. But <laughs> I think I think that's what kind of made our bond so strong is the the competitive nature, but it just just built built into a friendship. It did. Uh, it's it did. really nice to have friends over so many years because you know so yeah. much about each other, and it's just—I don't know—you it just there's something. It just becomes acceptable. You're good, bad, ugly, all of it. That's right. Yeah. Charlie and I have a lot to reminisce about those years. Mm-hmm. We do. I just don't remember any of that <laughs> because today we want to learn about you. We, you know, knowing you in college is one thing, but then seeing you evolve and working at the uh, district attorney's office, man, I just see you grow and, mm-hmm. and expand in what you're doing. So what is a, what is your job? What, what is a day? Do? What's a day in your life like? Uh, well, some days much more uh, involved than others. But basically what, what I do and what other assistant district attorneys do is we prosecute violations of our criminal code. Uh, in other words, you break the law, uh, police investigate, a case comes to us and we prosecute it. That's everything from what you can imagine, uh, low-level misdemeanors all the way up to homicides and everything in between. So um, a day, a normal day, is we're preparing our cases, talking to witnesses, victims, uh, preparing motions, that's documents, and certain things like that. Just getting the case and preparing the case and getting it in order to present to the court or a jury. Um, some of the more extraordinary days are when we're in trial uh, and we have the jury there and we're calling witnesses and, and doing those things to uh, dispose of the case or some would say get justice for the victims and some people would say get justice for a defendant. So um, I don't know if there's a normal day. It's uh, Certain days are different, for sure. Uh, but we're called when crimes happen to advise police. Uh, so a lot of times we visit crime scenes and so forth. So we see we see things that uh, the public doesn't see. You probably see a lot of tough things, I would imagine. Yeah, there, there's a lot of aspects to this job where you have to... Uh, toughen up real quick, mm-hmm. be able to look at certain photographs, uh, talk about certain subject matter that uh, is difficult to talk to people about or to look at. Um, but that's what we have to do. We, yeah. we do that because uh, we have to do that to, in order to get to the, the end goal, which is for us is to you know, get a conviction if that person is the one that did it. So, yeah. so that's what we do. Uh, Katie, you know, he, he specializes, or I, I don't know if I want to use that word, but focuses on violent crimes and homicides. So you I see a lot and, of the bad stuff then. Yeah. I, I can only imagine the things you see. So when you, when you, do you have any uh, cases that are, that are public that you can kind of, 
just tell us how you felt or, or what it was like to, to work on? Yeah, there, well, there was one case, and it happened uh, uh, probably, I think, 10 years ago, maybe, uh, maybe less. But there was a soldier, a 22-year-old soldier, who was found slumped over his steering wheel, and he was shot five times in the back. And he was left uh, on a road up north side of town. Uh, police, they called me, uh, thought they had two suspects. And I said, what is the reason? And they said, they just robbed him. And I said, there's no drug involvement or anything like that. They said, no. Nah. I said, check it out. There has to be a relationship between these three people because he was just executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they called me back a few hours later and said, no, they just took, they just robbed him and, and did that to him. Mm-hmm. And and that, you know, that showed me that there isn't always this big underlying uh, revenge or motive. Some of these things are random. Uh, it, it turned out in that case that the two individuals who lived in a, a subdivision behind this apartment complex where this soldier lived, uh, they had decided that they wanted some money and were gonna go rob somebody. Uh, they walked through the woods to the apartment complex and they knocked on several people's doors pretending they had car trouble in order to lure people out to uh, give them a ride so then they could rob them. Well, after the third or fourth try, this soldier uh, agreed to give them a ride up the street. And his roommate asked him what he was doing. And his last words that we know of were, if we were in trouble, wouldn't you want somebody to help you? And so he gave these two people a ride and uh, they ended up just taking what he had and killed him and shot him in the back. Now that's the kind of stuff we deal with, but that was something that it changed my perception of, of this job, uh, that there are these things that go on and I have to be mentally prepared, uh, when they happen, Yeah, uh, that it does happen like that. So, but we convicted them too. And, uh, and probably, the, the, I imagine, it's not like he had thousands of dollars on his person. Who just no. like that? So he probably died for very little money. Well, you'd be surprised. Most of them are over uh, a very nominal amount of money or property. Uh, you know, a little bag of marijuana will get you killed. Um, mm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a lot of money or valued uh, property. And it's sad, but we've got to be prepared mentally that these things happen like that. I, I can imagine or only imagine that when you see some of these things and you see all the graphic pictures and you get all this evidence, going home at night, it's probably kind of hard to shut it down. Uh, yes, it is. And I take a lot of it home. You know, my wife is extremely understanding about it. Uh, she knows when I'm in... Uh, what she calls trial mode when I start yeah. to uh, really dive deep into cases. Um, but yeah, there are times your mind is never really off of it. 
you know, things can strike you in the middle of the night, something you have to either do on a case or uh, certain facts pop in your head. And you, I mean, it's just the job, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never really put it down all the time. Uh, it's always in you once you see some certain things. And, uh, you know, Charlie, when people sit across, like the case I just told you about, see, when family members, uh, and friends, loved ones sit across the table from you and they've had someone that has been uh, harmed in this way, killed. Uh, and they look, and when, when they look to you for uh, some answers and to, uh, to, you know, get justice for their loved one, that's, uh, that can get pretty heavy at times, but that, that's just the job. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know when I when I hear of the word district attorney or anything I'm I I don't necessarily now I know you guys so I don't have a bad perception of you but usually if you hear the district attorney's involved in something it's not something you want to hear you know if you're a citizen so what would you say to a citizen who says oh district attorney that means I'm getting in trouble How- well it doesn't it doesn't mean that. Um- you know, they may be witnesses. They, I never you know. thought that, Charlie. Oh, I have. I haven't. You have a lot on your conscience. Yeah, Charlie has a lot to. Okay, we, we haven't. Uh, he hadn't done anything too bad yet because he hadn't come across our desk. But uh, we'll keep an eye on Charlie. We'll keep an eye on him. But no, it's we're not anybody to be afraid. I mean. If you're doing some bad things, you might come across our desk. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Uh, but in general, we're not anybody to be afraid of. Yeah. Uh, but if you're committing crimes, you uh, you probably should be afraid of uh, the district attorney. If you're committing crimes, you ought to be afraid anyway, because it that's will right. with you. <laughs> that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. So, so General Carney's the district attorney. How many assistant DAs do you have over there? We have 13. Oh, wow. They have a big staff. Yeah, we have yeah. 13. Is there that much crimes to be researched in, in Montgomery County? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes, it, there is uh, a lot. Um, and, and what over the, you know, the 12 or 13 years I've been here, uh, what is uh, really made an increase is the violent crime. Mm-hmm which is sad, but you know, if you look at it with our population increase, mm-hmm. you know, really crime stats are just per capita stats. So as there's more people, there's gonna be more opportunity for crime. And we, uh, it has proved that out here in this county, but uh, we have good law enforcement agencies uh, along with the TBI, both, I mean, the, both the sheriff and the CPD, uh, uh, they're top-notch uh, organizations. So, yeah. Well, I'm always looked as the district attorney's office as the balancing because you have to have two sides of it to have fair trials to be on. Right. So I've kind of looked at it as you know when you think of law, you think of the scales, and I think what yeah. you do compared to the, you know, the um, defending attorney. That's kind of how I look at it. Is it's kind of a balancing act for you guys. Well, it is, and it's, you know, there's a lot of people that say we wear the white hats and we're on the good side, you know. 
if you're in this business, you know better. Um, we have our function, and defense attorneys have their function. You know, there's one thing that when we all go to law school, all us lawyers, we come out knowing about the Constitution, and we read all these violent crime cases and so forth, and it's so terrible. And sometimes uh, they get off. Sometimes they're convicted. But the one thing we know is we need both defense attorneys and we need prosecutors for this system to work. So, um, yeah, we both just have function, our function to do. Um, It's what gives each individual a fair fair trial and what makes our system work because everybody deserves that opportunity. That's correct. That's the way we believe. Mm -hmm. Well, I, for one, have a lot of respect for what you do because I agree with Charlie. I don't know if I could look at pictures like that, especially when children are involved, and go home and just shake it off. So um, it takes a lot of courage to be able to compartmentalize that once you get home. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, it, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I told you it didn't get tough at times to look uh, – you know, I had one lady who got mixed up with uh, some bad individuals. They thought she was going to snitch on their drug distribution uh, enterprise, and they beat her and took her out to the woods, and they set her on fire. She was burned alive. Holy moly. Mm. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on about these stories. I know well, we only have a little bit of time. But with some, 13 uh, of you, y'all are busy. Yeah, we we are busy. Uh, we have plenty of work, and there's really we have enough work for even more. Yeah, um, staff. So, I mean, but that's just part of the price for a growing uh, county, um, even our state. Um, but that's why every every county, every state has these uh, a district attorney and a defense bar. There's going to be crime. Um, unfortunately, but, uh, but we're here and we're trying to, uh, to remove some people from the community that need to be removed. So that's, we appreciate you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, thank you for joining us today. Cause I know that you've got a lot going on and we're probably not even going to get to see your face for the next few months. You're going to be even busier. Yeah, we'll be busy. Um, I appreciate you, Katie, uh, having me with you. And, Charlie, it's always good to see you, my friend. Yes, sir. Good to see when you. We get, when we get off recording, you can tell me some Charlie stories later. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Thanks. <laughs> I will. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts. You don't miss a single conversation.